Thank you so much, Kim. It has been an honour and a privilege. This has been the easiest team to lead ever. Um, and we've just had a fantastic time, haven't we? Schultz-Gilpin combo. How awesome is that? We've, we've just had a wonderful time. Can I ask you, please, if you are on the equipping team, could you please stand up? Half the congregation. No, no, not really. <laughs> okay, can we give them a real round of applause? A real thank you. They have served us so well. We, as Kim said, we had an amazing equip, um, equipping day yesterday here, which was fantastic. Lots of people came, had lots of fun. We've done over 70 prophetic appointments um, over the Thursday and Friday that we've been here which has just been incredible, just a real privilege. Um, we've been involved in um, Eastgate Youth on Friday evening, so thank you so much, Youth, for letting us come. We loved getting to know you, and um, it was a really fantastic time. Now, our team's quite unusual. Could you stand up if you were part of the Utrecht team? So these amazing guys were heading out to Holland on Thursday morning. They were heading off to the Netherlands. And because of all the restrictions, um, they last minute changed and joined our team. So um, they've come from here. And then the amazing Tanya. Tanya was going to the Faroe Islands. Um, on Thursday and she and the team flew off. They got as far as Copenhagen um, before we called them back because Denmark were changing the restrictions about flights getting home and we weren't sure we could get you home. So you started your mission actually spreading peace and love in Copenhagen airport, didn't you? When just incredible and um, just testimonies coming from there of, you know, people panicking, queuing for hours to try and get the last flights home. Um, and, you know, you did a wonderful job there of just releasing the kingdom of heaven. So that's us. And I'm going to hand over to Rob now. So as Vicky said, we've had a, a wonderful time this weekend, this equipping weekend. And the theme has been living a kingdom life. Now, <clears throat> as you'll be aware, there's been... Um, a lot of other stuff spreading around at the moment, and a lot of other, a lot of fear going on. Um, but actually, we've been talking about what does it mean to spread hope? What does it mean to sow the word of God? What does that look like in your life, in my life, in our life as a church right now? So Jesus said this, and we all know this. If I could have my slide up, is that working, Akin? I'll read it to you, and it will appear. There you go. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus has told us to make disciples of all nations, and that has lots of meanings. But how does, how does he want us to do that? And we're going to explore this this morning using the parable of the sower, which we've been using this weekend. So Jesus said this. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, the, the parables of Jesus, it's interesting, because we often think that Jesus told things in stories to make them simpler. But that's actually not what he said. 
what he said was that he told things in parables to hide the meaning for people to find them. And then he revealed them to those who were following him. And he hid lots of meaning in this parable. And we often call it the parable of the soils because we, we think about the conditions of people's hearts and the soil. And that's relevant and that's right and that's part of what's in this parable. But what we actually want to pull out of this today is the first part of what Jesus told us about the meaning of this parable. And he starts talking to his disciples saying, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So he's saying that the farmer, who clearly represents the father, represents God, is scattering his seed and he's scattering it everywhere. He doesn't just scatter it, he doesn't put it carefully in little pots, individual seeds. He scatters, that would take quite a long time. He scatters it everywhere on the path, where there's rocks, where there's weeds. He scatters it everywhere. And we know, as Christians, as those who have Christ in us, that we're called to co-labour with God. So as he spreads his word, and who is the word? Jesus is the word. He's in us. As he spreads the word of God, he invites us to co-labour with him and to share the word of God with everyone and everywhere that we go. But I have a question for you, because he wants us to co-labour, but we have a choice. So in Matthew 13, which is where I've quoted this parable, can anyone tell me, without looking it up, and without having been there yesterday, because <clears throat> the person cheated first service, which is the next parable that Jesus tells after that? He tells the parable of the sower, and he immediately follows it with another parable. Anybody? You're, are you scared? <laughs> Sorry? The lost coin? It's a good answer, but it's the wrong answer. Well done. Um, anyway, I'll tell you. The next one is the parable of the weeds. And I just find that fascinating because Jesus is telling us that we have the opportunity to co-labor with God and to sow the word of God. But immediately afterwards, he tells us that actually someone is also sowing something else. And God isn't digging it up. He says, leave it. Let it, let it grow. Okay, so we have the opportunity to co-labor with God and to sow his word and his truth. But we also have the opportunity to co-labor with someone else. And we all have the choice every day who we choose to co-labor with and what we choose to sow. We all have the choice about what we choose to sow. So our main point, and if you take nothing else away, we want to um, encourage you to take this away. Our main point is we're sowing all the time. It's in our DNA to sow. You know, just everywhere we go, everything we say, everywhere we're, we're broadcasting our atmosphere, everywhere we go, we're sowing. Um, and we have a choice. What do we want to sow? So we want to ask you three questions today. We're going to ask you the first two, and then Mark and Fiona are going to um, ask the second one. The three questions, what are you sowing? Where are you sowing it? And how are you sowing? So I'm going to be looking at the first question, and then Vicky's going to look at the second one. So what are you sowing? What are we sowing? We're called to sow the word. If we know God, we have Jesus inside us. And we're called not to keep him to ourselves, but to give him away to everyone we meet through the way we live, through the words we say. Now, at the moment, as we've mentioned a few times, there's, there's word of another thing being spread around that I don't want to you know, talk about. But it's led to, has anyone tried to buy toilet roll lately? 
It's been or pasta or I don't know why we think we're particularly going to run out of those things. But there's, we, can, we can join in with that. We can sow fear and lack and anxiety. One of the team was saying um, they went into the shops and um, they, they were, I was someone who came to the thing yesterday and they wanted to buy some frozen peas and they went to ask the assistant, um, you know, oh, are there any? And as they said that, are there any? The person literally cowered like that. And she said, the, this lady spoke to the other assistant and said, why is she doing that? She said, because she's kind of afraid because there's people been not very nice <laughs> when they've found out that we've run out of stuff. You know, there's a lot of fear and lack. And we can choose to partner with that and be afraid and spread that. Or we can choose to spread faith and hope and goodness and kindness and generosity and love and let the love of Jesus pour out of us and spread into our neighbourhood instead of what's spreading at the moment. We can be Jesus wherever we are because the good news is we've got something or rather someone inside us who is more contagious than anything that is out there. We just have to let him out with goodness. Yeah, go for it. We have to let him out through the way that we live our lives, by the way that we posture ourselves. We have the privilege of saying God's word. And and I want to, so, but what does it mean? Because one of the things it means is like we did corporately this morning, the way we worship, we make declarations, we ask Holy Spirit to flood this place. That's one of the ways. But, you know, is is how we do it in our everyday lives. And I want to just share a story from, from my life. And so I've got a, a letting agent, and she's sitting in the room actually, called uh, Justine. And I'd been working for, with her for three and a half years. And um, I went round to her house because she was on holiday. And um, I was going to drop off some keys to a flat. And she, she wasn't there. And I was a bit nervous because I thought, if I drop these keys, I've never been to her house. If I drop them through the wrong letterbox, that could be a problem. Um, so I stood outside and I started writing a note. And thank God, literally, somebody uh, turned up. Her partner at the time turned up and said, can I help you? And I explained who I was, so he let me in. And so I gave him the keys. I wrote a note for Justine. But I noticed that he had a wrist support on. And um, I said, oh, w- uh, do you mind if I ask why you've got that? And uh, he explained it hurt his wrist and I said well I know this is a bit strange but could I pray for you for that to be healed and he said yes um, it wasn't a profound moment I just said can I can I put my hand on it yes be healed in Jesus name something like that and then I went home okay I didn't feel anything I don't know if he felt anything anyway two months later I got a phone call from Justine saying, um, oh, I spoke to my partner and he said, um, this strange guy came round and um, dropped off some keys for you. And I don't know what he did, but since he did it, I haven't had any pain in my wrists. And yeah, so what I didn't know was that he'd actually broken his wrist three times. I don't know how you do that, but he'd broken it three times. And uh, Justine said... And he's just moved house for me. He's moved all the boxes and he's had absolutely no pain. So he doesn't know what you did, but he's glad you did it because it doesn't hurt. So that then led to a conversation with Justine where I then invited her to Alpha and she came along and she became a Christian and now she's become part of Eastgate and she's just fully in the kingdom of God. Because, because I had something 
that I could give away because I had Jesus, so I could give away healing and I could tell her about his salvation. She had to choose to partner with it, but that's a way, just one little testimony example of how we can sow Jesus into people's lives. Isn't that inspiring? We just have to sow the good word wherever we go and just be leaning into his voice and just throwing it out wherever we are. So I want to ask you the next question now, where are you sowing it? And um, we talked quite a lot about this yesterday at our activation day. Something is really helpful to know is um, in this, this kind of parable, I was talking to Hugh Richard after the first service. He was saying, it doesn't make sense if you look at it from an English perspective, because we actually have really neat cultivated fields. And you think, why would you waste it by throwing it on the path? Why would you waste your seed? Um, but actually in Israel, farming's very different. And actually the, the field is not cultivated in the same way. So there are rocky bits, there are stony bits, there are good bits, and you just throw it everywhere and let the soil um, work it out for itself. And so I find this really helpful because, you know, we can get really caught up in, oh gosh, you know, is this person ready? What's the soil of their heart like? Just scatter it absolutely everywhere. And we've got some examples from yesterday um, at work, in our families, just by being Jesus in so many different ways, in our neighborhoods, our schools and our hospitals. You know, what a timely message. We're just spreading the good news wherever we go. Um, And social media. Just want to mention social media at this point because it's very easy to, to forget that there are human beings who are receiving what we post on social media because it kind of goes out cold. You don't see a person. And I just want to encourage you to think about actually when I post online, am I posting good stuff? Am I posting kingdom messages? Am I, is my kingdom life being reflected in what I post? Or am I actually fueling negativity? Am I fueling fear? Work, we talked about, we've got lots of testimonies from work. Um, We run a property business with our friends Kate and Roger, actually. It was our second birthday this week, so happy birthday to us, yay. (laughs) And um, we made an intentional decision when we started working together that we just wanted to sow the kingdom wherever we go. And we want to treat everyone that we interact with as human beings and remember that they've got a life going on outside of whatever function they're performing for us. And so whoever it is, whether it be, you know, a tradesman who's working on a project, whether it be an architect or a solicitor we're interacting with, we're always checking in with it. How was your weekend? You know, just chatting, catching up with what's going on in their lives. So when our builder phoned Roger and said that he'd broken his arm, um, it was entirely natural for Roger just to say, well, I'll pray for that. Because we've already got that relationship. He already knows us and he knows that we're interested in his life. So just so everywhere. So we're all called to co-labor with the farmer. We're all called to sow Jesus everywhere that we go. So what does that look like? Well, sometimes it can be hit and run. Sometimes it's, you know, going out on the street and just telling a complete stranger. But you know what? Jesus made disciples and he encouraged us to make disciples. And he built a relationship over years with people and he told them the good news and he showed them how to live. So where, where can you sow? Well, as Vicky's just said, the answer is everywhere. Every, everyone that you meet, everywhere that you go. And um, I just want to give one quick example. I, I interviewed John Roder, who some of you will know, and who works at the Bank of England. 
And um, somebody said to him, you know, what do you do when you work like, in a banking culture or the city culture and it's, you know, you work in a very dog-eat-dog environment? How do you bring, you know, the culture of heaven there? And he said something very profound. He said, in a dog-eat-dog environment, don't eat the dog. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. You don't have to submit to the culture of the place. You are the culture of the place. You take the kingdom of heaven wherever you go. You are not, yeah, you can clap that. You're not just a thermostat, you know, a thermometer rather. You are a thermostat. You, you sense the atmosphere and you change it and you bring the kingdom of God. You don't have to eat the dog. You don't have to. But we're all different. We're all different in the way that we bring the kingdom of God. So how, what's your shape? What's mine? How do we do it? Can you please welcome Mark and Fiona Gilpin, who are going to talk about your evangelistic shape. Good morning. Sound a bit more excited. Good morning. Oh, that's better. They're alive. Right. So, look at the billboards behind me. On the left, we have... One perspective that says, evangelism is difficult, it is not for me. I am not wired to share my faith. Evangelism generates fear in me. I don't know what to say. I'll leave others to do evangelism. Who would, honest moment here, who would kind of associate themselves with some of those statements? That means the rest of you are very good at evangelism. Sorted, right. So, sorry, excuse me a minute. Oh, I was crying during worship and it's messed up my nose. Um, evangelism is easy on the right. God set me up for success. Being evangelistic is part of my identity in Christ. I can freely enjoy the adventure of being evangelistic. Holy Spirit will speak to me during evangelistic moments. Who can associate with that? And half of you didn't vote. <laughs> the point being is, um, being on the left is not unusual. Uh, for many Christians, and there's, there's reasons for that. But the right-hand side is how God has designed evangelism to be. The right-hand side is the experience that God wants you to have when you do evangelism. You know, taking evangelism as a very broad subject today. So if you're on the left, um, we've discovered some things that can help you move to the right, and Fiona and I are going to share some of those with you today. So the Apostle Paul spoke about Christ in us. He described the glorious riches of the gospel as Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it's a very famous verse. Which is why it's funny when Christians say, I feel far from God. Because they can't be, because God is inside of them. It's about their lack of awareness in the moment, isn't it? God can't get any closer. And there are many ways that Christ in you works out through your life. But one of them is evangelistically. So Paul put it like this. He said, God was pleased, always interesting when God is pleased about something, God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach preach him among the Gentiles. So God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And in Galatians 2, 7, Peter says something else but talks about the Jews. So these, these two guys, for them, Christ in them, had an evangelistic outworking. Even though they were apostolic or apostles, for them... Christ in them had an evangelistic outworking. And not only that, that God was pleased to reveal his son in and through them. So the fact that you've got Christ in you 
part of the reason God put you in, in there, if I can say that's God's evangelistic strategy, was to put Christ in you so that people around you would see the Son in you and that God would choose to reveal his Son to people around you. So the question is this morning, <coughs> how does he do that? How does that work for you? And if you need wisdom, always go to a children's movie. So Kung Fu Panda, if you haven't watched the movie, you can do that this afternoon. Um, this is Poe, if you don't know who he is. So he says this, the real strength comes from being the best you, you can be. Who are you, what are you good at, and what makes you, you? So your real strength comes from being the best you, you can be. Who are you, what makes, sorry, what are you good at, and what makes you, you? The context of this quote is he is training an army to fight the barriers, and he has a penny drop moment that he realises why the training isn't going so well. And the point being is he's, tra- he's trying to train people to fight like him. And he realises everybody is unique and they need to learn to fight in a way that's unique to them. And one of the, one of the, peop- one of the reasons Christians can struggle with evangelism is some evangelists train them to be like themselves. All right, so my evangelistic shape is courage. I'm a courageous person. So the sort of thing that switches me on evangelistically is if I'm in a supermarket, I get a download from God for the person behind the counter and there's 20 people in the queue behind me and I've got an audience. Right? That sort of scenario switches me on evangelistically. Now imagine as evangelists, I say to you all, that has to be your shape. That wouldn't work out for you, would it? And the point being is, is that the way that God is pleased to reveal his son through you is unique in every one of us. So let me just give you some examples. And I've borrowed this from the encounter, the encounter room. Okay, shape number one. It doesn't matter what colour it is or what block it is, it's irrelevant, just using it as an aid. Who here is creative, whether that's art, music, songwriting, thinking, there's loads of it's but creative is quite broad. So that's shape number one. Why wouldn't being evangelistic, show up in the strength of your creativity. I was sharing in the previous service that, that when I went to a, a dreams conference, I was a bit broken on the inside and I couldn't write a dream list. And I went to the front and I saw a prophetic picture that someone from the church here had painted it and it unlocked my ability to dream. And I eventually bought that painting, or Fiona did for me, and it's in our conservatory. It reminds me of the dreams that God has for me. The point being is, why cannot or why, why cannot non-Christians around you be impacted by the presence and the tangible realities of God through your art and your creativity? What about your songs, etc., etc.? God, want, because the point is, is being evangelistic is integrated into everything else you've got. It's integrated into your personality, um, all your strengths, and so your creativity is a place where God wants to work. Another colour. Who here is who works with charities or has a heart for p- people on certain? marginalized parts of society. So why would God not show up in you reaching out and looking after those people? So the church in parts of history has separated evangelism from social action, but that's not how God designed it. You know, if you're working with somebody who, um, you're feeding someone who, um, who's, who's, who's lack of food or something, and that's a practical need being met, why wouldn't you expect God to, to turn up and miraculously solve a financial issue for them or we're actually trying to find them some accommodation why would you separate those things 
Another shape, sorry. Rattling here for the sake of time. How many of you are good at telling stories and can hold an audience when you tell a story? I've got friends like that. Always worth going out for a beer with people like that because you come home hurting because you laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, I've got good friends like that. So, God's given you that gift. So when you tell all your funny stories, why don't you drop a few in there about God? Why don't you tell some testimonies of healings that happen here at Eastgate? Why don't you talk about how God's provided for you and God's given you an identity, a hope and a future? Why would God not show up in those scenarios? And my last one, the professionals, which is not the TV program. But for all of us that work and have a trade, so I've been working for over 30 years, I have a trade called technology strategy. One of my key skills is strategic planning. I just do that, I find that easy, that's just the way my brain works. Um, I joined, oh, sorry, one of the companies that I've worked in in my career, um, I turned up in it and there was no IT strategy, it was a bit of a mess and no one believed in IT. After being there 18 months, there was a strategy, I got to present to two executive members um, and then we prepared this presentation for a software vendor I was choosing and nobody in my team believed that the board would make a decision in our favour. So I thought, God said, go and pray outside the board. I went upstairs and the back stairs and the company prayed and they made a decision that we could take out this software. And suddenly people are believing in software again in my company, right? I was just being myself, playing to my strengths, and God showed up. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to close your eyes and engage with Father God? I want you to ask him a question. And the question is, how have you uniquely designed me to be evangelistic? So one more time. How have you uniquely designed me to be evangelistic. And just listen for a minute. See what he says. So just hands up. How many heard something? Okay, let me just encourage you to write that down. Maybe put it up in a mirror or somewhere where you look regularly. And just let God speak to you and shape you because that's how he wants to work through you evangelistically. Follow Poe. Okay. So Mark and I have had the huge privilege of of doing kind of evangelism training with our daytime school students and in other churches. And along the way, we've kind of picked up that people believe so many lies about evangelism. And uh, some people collect beautiful things and put them in their houses. I collect lies as we go around and do all these things with different people. And um, there are just so many things that you believe, even subconsciously, you don't even know where you picked up this lie or how long you've been believing it, but it's holding you back from really coming into that fullness of your evangelistic shape, of really expressing Christ in me, where you are and what arena you're in and what spheres of influence you operate in. So I've just got a few lies that I'm going to kind of bust with you today. So uh, if any of these resonate with you, just jump on board with them. Well, the thing is, when I'm doing this sort of stuff or, or when I've got the opportunity, I'm just not confident that I hear God well enough. Lie! The truth is that in John 10... Jesus says that he's the good shepherd and we are his sheep and we do hear his voice. Hearing the voice of God 
is not a gift. Okay? It's your birthright. You do hear the voice of God. Fiona, it feels really rude to interrupt people as they're going about their daily life. I feel like I'm a nuisance. There's lots of giggling. Who feels like that? And they get asked to go out and do something. Oh, don't approach anybody. Oh, no, don't do that. Okay. We are truly blessed to be in a multicultural church. Whatever it says on the front of your passport, I would like to tell you that first and foremost, you are a citizen of heaven. You are an ambassador of Christ. Who would not want their day to be interrupted with love and peace and kindness and healing and a word of encouragement. Why not? Wouldn't you like your day to be interrupted like that? Even if you're British? I would. If I'm really honest, Fiona, I'm not that good at evangelism. You should probably leave it to somebody who's much better at it than me. We just laugh at that lie. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And that includes evangelism. Definitely includes evangelism. But I just find evangelism really difficult. It's really hard. (laughs) John 15, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And, and what did he choose us for? To go and bear fruit. Okay, does that sound really onerous? In the same passage, it talks about remaining in him. And I went and looked up the definition of remaining. Resting. Spending time with. Hanging out. Does that sound like hard work? So, um, have we got James Alexander here this morning? Our farmer. It was first service. Uh, okay, he's a farmer. Have any of you passed a fruit tree lately? Yes. Did you see it going? <laughs> Apple. <sighs> no. No. It's got its roots down. It's remaining. It's in that good soil and it's bearing fruit. And we're called to do exactly the same. Not struggling or striving. I don't know what ministry looks like. I'll give you a really good definition of ministry. It's from Heidi Baker. You heard of her? Okay, so this is her definition of ministry. Stopping for the one and loving the person in front of you. Does that sound hard? No. Well, she's planted over 10,000 churches, sees daily miracles, and people raised from the dead. And that's how she does it. That doesn't sound hard, does it? But the last time I did it, it really wasn't very successful. It didn't go well, Fiona, so I just haven't done it again since then. Change your definition of success. When Wacky Nevins was here, he used this great phrase with us many years ago. And he says, heaven rejoices at your excuse me. 
doesn't matter what comes after that, because that's the point where you took a risk. That's the point where you stepped out in faith. And you know what? Even if you come out with your word of knowledge, we had one from the students that shared earlier from a treasure hunt story, it doesn't matter. We've got loads of stories of where it went wrong, and yet God gives us the opportunity anyway. Yesterday, I shared a story about Sean Boltz going into a coffee shop, and Sean Boltz even gets it wrong. Who knew? And he brings this word of knowledge, and it's wrong. And so he goes, oh, okay. And he's ready to walk away. And the guy says, wait, why do you ask? He said, well, it's, it's just I'm learning to hear the voice of God. So we've adopted that phrase in school. When we go out on the streets, we say, we're learning to hear the voice of God. And I just felt like, blah. And this guy said, hang on a minute. I've been waiting for years to meet somebody that hears God's voice. Will you sit down and have coffee with me and tell me all about that? And 45 minutes later, this guy gets saved from a wrong word of knowledge. And he basically says, it's not about information. It's about love. It's about seeking to bless people and meet them where they're at. God wants to set you free so that you can enjoy evangelism. And the things that stop you being free are often based around fear. So what's the antidote to fear, people? Perfect love. This is sometimes where people go, boldness and and courage and and gritting our teeth and getting on with it. Actually, the Bible says it's love. It's perfect love that casts out fear. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So what is heaven's strategy for us? How are we going to go out? change the world, conquer the planet. I've taken a little chunk from the Graham Cook crafted prophecy that he brought. And this is is the Trinity strategy for us. Are you ready? Church, there is a place set aside for you where you can make the enemy tired and weary in the strength and power of who we are for you. You can exhaust the enemy with our love. You can depress him with our joy. You can demoralize him with our peace. You can discourage him with our patience. You can overcome him with our goodness. You can debilitate him with our faithfulness. You will trouble him with our gentleness. You will dismay him with our self-control. You will dishearten him with our faith, weaken him with our mercy, and you will intimidate him with our intimacy with you. Do you know that God has a dream? And that dream is to reconcile the world to himself. You know, that the Bible tells us that we were all born to reach out so that we could find God and be reconciled to him. That's the message of Christianity. And it's Christianity because it focuses on Christ. And the message talks about how Christ came and died on a cross. So why did he come and die on a cross? He came to die on a cross to take everything that was wrong in the world, everything that was wrong in us, and everything that was broken in us, so he could remove every barrier that stops us being reconciled to God. And I feel like this morning there's an invitation for some people here this morning to come and be reconciled to God. I was reading, 
reminded of uh, the, the testimony that Kate shared about a lady who was at 14, gave her life to Jesus, and at some point slipped back. I just want to pray. I know we've got the youth amongst us there. I don't know if you could all shut your eyes just for a minute, just as I have everybody here. I just want to speak to anybody here that maybe you come from, you know, in a Christian family here in the church and you don't quite get God yet, but maybe there's a pull in your heart today to want to be reconciled to him. Maybe you're older and you've given up following God and you want to come back to him. Maybe you've been brought here by a friend today. Maybe you want to encounter God for the first time for you, but... If you want to make a decision this morning to respond to Jesus, to say, I want to find out more what it means to follow you. I want to find out more what it means to encounter you. Just want to put your hand up wherever his eyes are closed. Just want everybody here. Thank you. Anyone else? And it takes a brave moment. To, I'm not going to drag you out or embarrass you. Just want you to, know, just want you to respond this morning if you can. Okay, you can open your eyes now. I'm going I'm to close the meeting now. But there's an opportunity if you're a Christian. We're gonna get, we've got the, um, all the students at Parkinson are going to come over out to my right. If you're kind of stuck in your evangelism and you want to hear more about what your evangelistic shape is, they're very willing to pray for you. Um, if you want, you know, the person that responded, if you want to be prayed for some more about to encounter God, then again, come out and we'll pray for you.